This episode of News Dump is brought to you by HoneyBook. It has become November. And oh, the, God. We're still doing that? Yeah, the, the, the war against Christmas is right around the corner. But for now, the streaming wars are also about to begin. Up until this point, there were a few major players in the ring, services like Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. But this month is going to test new limits regarding just how many of these services consumers are willing to buy into for their monthly rates and whether or not they'll leave some of those long-standing services behind in order to save some cash while they're sampling what the others have to offer. It's a lot. Yeah. We've already spoken at length about the Disney Plus streaming service, which offers up almost everything from Disney Ball. Almost everything. But not Song of the South. <laughs> but it's got all the Marvel Studios films and, you know, all that nerd shit that you love. It's also launching with a pretty impressive slate of originals as well for a price that's pretty damn modest. At least at launch. Mm -hmm. uh, we've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. Disney will almost certainly increase the monthly fee in the coming years the same way Netflix has since they launched their streaming platform over a decade ago. Still, when the service goes live on November 12th, users will get instant access to their whole library, and they'll get to watch the new Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, right out the gate. Yeah. You will not, however, be able to watch every episode all at once because Disney's going to be releasing their titles in the more traditional Old school format. Yeah. One episode every week from launch day until the end of December. It's, uh, I think it's smart for something like Mandalorian. Give people time to talk about every episode. Uh, typically with the binge stuff, you get a, a handful of people that watch it all in one night and then ruin everything. Yeah, it is, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's I an mean, interesting at, take on it. At this point, I, it gets ruined for me either way. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. watching shit when it airs. What is this, 1999? <laughs> I'm hey. watch it. You know, one to five days later, at best. Sure. Now, after The Mandalorian, though, Disney Plus subscribers are going to have to wait until next August before the next most anticipated original series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, of course, they will have more movies dropping to coincide with home video releases. But after Mandalorian, it's pretty much just a streaming platform for Disney's movies and shows from the Disney Channel, 20th Century Fox, National Geographic, and Pixar. Still... Not a terrible deal, considering it is just $7 a month for now. I'm but, getting it for The Simpsons. Uh, yeah. I mean, I already have that with Hulu because of FX, but... Uh, yeah, but you have cable like a, like a boomer. It's not cable. It's Hulu Live. It's, uh, it's, yeah. But as you're all probably aware, Disney isn't the only company trying to siphon some cash out of your wallet as this whole world that we live in turns to streaming. Because looming on the horizon is one of the more confusing attempts at locking you into their exclusive channels and programming, HBO Max from AT&T WarnerMedia, which already has AT&T UVerse, AT&T TV Now, DirecTV, DirecTV Now, HBO Go, and HBO Now, among other things. Surely this will clean up that big old mess that they made. <laughs> yeah, we sprinkled all of these services around all over the floor. Oh, won't someone please come clean it up? Surely HBO Max will be the one-stop shop that true AT&T fans have yeah. been asking for all this time. All those at-heads. HBO Max launches in May 2020, next year. And first off, we should reiterate the first complaint that we ever made about the service, which is the name. Yes. Boo. Bundling everything that is Warner Media, uh, everything they own, into a service with the HBO name, removes the nearly perfect seal of quality that the name HBO has carried with it since the 90s when it went into original programming full force with series like Oz and The Sopranos. HBO is identifiable as a brand. People know HBO shows. Mm -hmm. People also know shows that are owned by Warner Media. They just don't equate them to the brand 
because they appear on a wide variety of channels. Are we gonna just start putting the Audi logo on fucking Volkswagens? Come on. Jeez, or Come Mazda on. logos on Fords? What kind of world is this? And Warner Media owns channels like TBS, Cartoon Network, TNT, CW, CNN, and so on. But they produce and own the rights to programming that appears on other major networks like NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox. So what's actually coming to HBO Max? And why would people subscribe to it, considering that it will launch as the most expensive standalone streaming platform at $15 a month? Well, uh, before we actually looked up as much information that we could find after their big presentation this past week, we honestly couldn't tell you outside of a few obvious answers. And that's going to be a huge task for their marketing department as they crawl towards the release date for this service next May. And now, sure, it's easy to say, okay, HBO shows, Warner Brothers movies, Cartoon Network, Looney Tunes, those will all be there, obviously. But Cartoon Network also has shows that are owned by Fox, and you would assume that Disney Plus would want to keep those on their platform. What does that mean for HBO Max? That's just an example, but we also don't fucking know. And it did, in addition to that, Warner Brothers movies, outside of the films based on characters from DC, do average consumers even know which movies Warner Brothers makes off the top of their heads? Is there actually brand loyalty for Warner Brothers movies? I know one movie they made, the Snyder Cut. <laughs> well, why don't you go ahead and release that? What if they do announce that like a month before the streaming service? Oh, Fine, God, you got it. These, uh, these early sign-up numbers, not great. Not a lot of people down for this. Pull the lever. Pull the lever, yeah, finally. Here you go, it's the Snyder Cut. It's the movie you always wanted, which, uh, you know, it's mostly just a bunch of guys in uh, morph suits in front of blue screens because you don't make special effects in movies. It's the last step, so, you know, once you... Da -da 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 -da, Snyder Cut. A Snyder Cut would, would not have any special effects, you fucking But, but even that example, that is a DC movie. People know yeah. generally that Warner Brothers uh, does that. Mad Max Fury Road, but that's not like it could have been yeah. made anywhere. <laughs> the, only, the only Warner movies I can really name off the top of my head are ones that I literally did junkets for. And because I have of a Warner, yeah. I have a mental association with like an at WB.com email address giving me directions to the junket. It's so like yeah, being, not great. It's like, there are fans of some music labels, mostly indies, mm -hmm. but it's like being a, a huge fan of like Interscope Records. Yeah. Rather than the artists that they signed. You know who is indistinguishable from Warner Brothers? Hmm. Those Animaniacs. Bring them back. Uh, they are. That's, they, that's one of the, that's one of the uh, oh, actual good, good original programming still live in that water tower? Uh, I guess so. Well, we need that water, Animaniacs. <laughs> Just so fucking get little, the fuck little out of the skeletons way. <laughs> dump out of it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's put that part of it aside and say that, yes, there is some great content coming to this platform overall. It's all of HBO as well as a ton of stuff that WB has licensed to or owns outright. That means all the DC films, the Harry Potter franchise, all the films from Studio Ghibli, and a huge amount of very good movies that you will love but might not have known belong to them because as far as we can tell, unlike Disney or Marvel, no one really goes to see a movie specifically because it was made by Warner Brothers. Yeah. Still the movie library will be impressive. Mm -hmm. As for TV and series, outside of HBO, there's lots of big stuff here as well. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Rick and Morty, Friends, Doctor Who, Big Bing Bong... <laughs> the, the, the Bing Bong Boys. The Bing Bong Boys yeah. and uh, all the CW shows. Uh, it was also announced this week that they had secured the streaming rights to South Park's entire back catalog as well as future episodes for a cool half a billion dollars. Yeah. That, that might have pushed... Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone to the highest paid comedians of all time list. I don't know. Seinf they were like number Seinfeld's way up on that hill. Yeah, they were like number three or something like that. Uh, but this uh, it's, a, it's a lot of money. 
but what sets most of the other streaming platforms apart these days is the original program. HBO Max kind of cheats and gets a head start on this because they've been doing original programming for decades, although it wasn't tied to a specific streaming platform. But what about original, exclusive, only developed specifically for HBO Max? What, what is that going to look like? Well, let's take a look at their promotional page and see what we can look forward to. Okay, I recognize Adventure Time and I recognize the name Gossip Girl, but I have no idea what the rest are. And that's not to say that any of these shows won't be great or that the service won't have its own hit shows eventually based off new IP. It's just that there's not a lot that's there that's going to pull people in right out of the gate. And we do know, like I said, that they're rebooting Animaniacs at some point. They're doing that... <laughs> Funny in the the idea of it, uh, the animated Gremlins series. That's uh, what are you doing, guys? Yeah, so that's cool, I guess. Uh, regardless, there will be plenty to watch on this service, regardless of your taste in TV shows and series. Well, let's get to the rollout of this. There's some great news to start off with here. If you're already an HBO Now subscriber or subscribe to HBO through Directv or AT and T, guess what? You won't notice a difference at all, and we'll just become an HBO Max subscriber automatically for the same price you're already paying. Mm -hmm. Here's more good news for some people. If you're an AT&T Unlimited Wireless or top-tier AT&T Home Broadband customer, you're going to get HBO Max at no additional cost. And, that, and that's cool. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And if you're not any of those, um, then you'll have to subscribe to the standalone service for the $15 a month. Yeah. But here's where it gets a bit confusing, because if you're an HBO subscriber through a cable company like Comcast, Spectrum, or, you know, whatever else, do you get access to HBO Max? We don't know. No. And it appears as though Warner Media doesn't know yet either. <laughs> yeah, Still ironing out the creases on yeah. this one. Uh, in a recent write-up about the service, the Washington Post brought this potential problem to light, saying this. To offer such a service to its subscribers, HBO doesn't actually have the clear field that the presentation suggested. It has an obstacle-strewn one. Outside of AT&T's providers and the HBO Now service, HBO relies heavily on outside companies to deliver its programming to some 30 million subscribers. Those companies, such as Comcast, Charter, and Dish, all take a chunk of revenue for providing and often promoting HBO. And that's where the problem comes in. These are companies AT&T does not own, and they're companies that decidedly have a vested interest in not shifting their consumers over to HBO Max. Why would they? They don't stand to take in any of the dollars once it happens. A Comcast representative and a Charter representative, the company's two biggest cable providers, declined to comment. I mean, by that same token, Comcast has, they own NBC Universal, And they're going to be doing their own. There's, yeah, they're going to run into... Some of these same problems. Why, and, why would I want to host content that is uh, promoting my competitor? That would be a bad, that's a conflict I mean, of interest. And that's the, one of the main problems we've talked about over the course of this giant uh, split up of all of the media companies is we're just going to end up with the same price we paid for cable, but with 10 different things to track down and pay every month and with 10 different things to go through and find what we want. It's not great for the consumer. Very inconvenient. That article continues. How does HBO move them over, and why would those companies help them do it? An executive at one provider laughed when the question of such assistance was posed. If anything, they would have motive to stop subscribers from shifting to HBO Max. Such a switch is money directly out of their pockets. And that puts HBO, which needs these companies to get aboard, or at least out of the way, in a tough spot. Mm -hmm. uh, in their FAQ about the service, it just says, if you subscribe to HBO through a cable or TV provider, 
Stay tuned for more details as we get closer to a launch date. Mm. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. We didn't think about this <laughs> shit. Wait, Fuck. hold on. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Why didn't anyone tell us that this would be a problem? Ugh. And a rep from Warner Media responded to that inquiry saying, We are in active discussions with our distributors. The intent is indeed to get these existing 30 plus million consumers access to HBO Max as soon as we possibly can. Yeah. But not very confident in that statement. Fuck. They have essentially six months or so. Oh, God. Uh, May? We're launching in May? Let's push it back, guys. We need to get the Snyder Cut done, and we need to get these distributors on board. Yeah. Uh, The Post also suggests that Warner has basically three options when they face this problem. Pay a fuckload of money to the providers to offset their potential losses, go to war with them, or raise the price of HBO Max for customers who have no ties to AT&T. All three of these options could easily be described as not great. So, who knows? <laughs> Obviously, we'll find out more as we get closer to May 2020, but as it stands right now, uh, what are your thoughts on this specific streaming platform? I know Nick Gregorio loves it, but what do you think? If, you, if you're lumped into uh, one of the categories of people who will get it at no additional cost, hey, that's great. Awesome. But for those of you who don't have financial ties to HBO or AT&T, do you really see yourselves paying the $15 a month fee to join this service? Service? Uh, it, 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 if you're not already paying for HBO, which is you pay for it because of the, the, the quality of the shows and everything, yeah. are you really going to jump into this for HBO Plus a little bit more? I mean, I probably will, but I'm also, I'm pretty sure what I'm going to be doing is, uh, you know, rotating the yeah. services in and out. Yeah, you know, dump Netflix till something you yeah. want to see comes back. Have on. my Disney month, have my uh, Netflix month, my AT and T Warner Media conglomerate. Yeah, month. all I can say is we're at least at this point lucky that it's not like cable or like wireless plans where you're sometimes locked into a contract where it's like, well, you, we only do like a yearly subscription and there's an early termination fee. Yeah, and we won't let you know when it rolls over into the real plan where you're paying. Twice yeah. as much. Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, yeah. That, that could happen in the future. That's true. Putting yeah. it in perspective, the cable companies, it, they, you really can't understate just how, how terrible. fucking terrible they are. Uh-huh. And by comparison, yeah, this is a lot more streamlined and a lot less uh, evil. Yeah. So that's nice. But it's hey, still inconvenient. One day you're going to tell your kids we had it a lot better. Not with cable. Not with cable. I'm talking about the years between yeah. 2007 and like 2017 or something. Although it would be funny if companies came out with... Uh, well, I mean, I guess we already do have that with, like, dongles and, yeah. like, the NVIDIA Shield and Google uh, Chromecast. The AT&T box. Yeah, but it would be funny if there was a company who, like, sold, sold a box with packages of all the streaming services and a extremely terrible interface for, uh, you know, yeah. cycling through all of them. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I, we're actually very curious about how you feel about all of this and the streaming wars in general, so... Discuss in the comments below, because I, like I said, I'm interested to see what people think about this, because I'm in a my own bubble and in the entertainment bubble here where I have friends who are going to get these services because they work in entertainment and stuff like that. But It's a tax write-off. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, but before we get in the rest of this week's news uh, from the world of entertainment and more, it's time to take a quick break to thank today's sponsor, HoneyBook. If you run your own business, you're used to doing it all. But if you're struggling to get through your to-do list, HoneyBook can help. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. They make it simple to run your business better. 
Professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation keeps everything on track and makes you look good. They can even consolidate services you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp or Gmail. Warner needs this. Then they wouldn't uh, forget about working with the distributors. They could use some business management software. Mm -hmm. HoneyBook is the number one choice for client and business management for freelancers and business owners. And right now, they're offering our viewers 50% off when you visit HoneyBook.com slash newsdump. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to HoneyBook.com slash newsdump for 50% off your first year. That is HoneyBook.com slash newsdump. Or use the link in the description below. Now, let's get into the rest of the news tidbits from the past week, starting with the fact that the jig is up, mm -hmm. and the actual boomers, ugh, that guy, they found out about the term. Yeah, they're aware now. And the young people, they've been using it in a derogatory fashion to mock the old, the okay boomer. It's been about a year now. We were getting the, away with it. The jig is up. The meme's been ruined, and it wasn't even Ellen that did it this time. No, it was CNBC. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the Zoomers' supposed allies in the millennial generation. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get into this, we should explain that the term boomer derives from baby boomer, which is used to describe people who were born in the years that followed World War II. Basically, soldiers came home, fucked like crazy, and there was a huge spike in the birth rate here in the States. The boomer generation is directly responsible for the downfall of society. Yeah. They've been able to reap the benefits provided to them over decades of prosperity while leaving later generations to struggle with basic necessities, all while mocking you for not just working harder or something. So, yes, they do deserve your mockery in turn. But we're also all very aware that the term boomer has, like a lot of terms, changed and expanded in its definition to basically include anyone who's older than you or acts like an old person. Specifically, like, a old person who is almost certainly white, male, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, has some money. Yeah. That's specifically it. Mm -hmm. The, the, my, the I, I think I was really trying to come up with a way to sum it up. But it's the idea of, like, bootstraps and yeah. pe people who had, they were born on third base yes. and are mad at everyone else mm -hmm. for not having things nearly as easy as them. Yes. I, I got my one job when I turned 18 out of high school. Bought a house at 21 for $10,000. Shit out two or three kids. Yeah. Have a bunch of cars in the driveway. House is paid off. Retired in 30 or 40 years. Yeah. And uh, now I have nothing about? to do but complain about my kids and their kids. Yeah. And uh, for the term of using it uh, as someone, people use it against people their own age and us. We're called Boomer frequently on Twitter. Someone who uh, acts old or does things that old people do. Like when I went apple picking. That's a little boomer, yeah. <laughs> or going fishing. or Fishing is very much... <laughs> fishing's a 30-year-old boomer. Or drinking Coors Light on a weekend. Uh, well, we're getting a little vague here, guys. Yeah. It, is, it is vague. The term's vague now. Yeah, so now the mainstream media has reported on the term, more specifically the term, okay, boomer, okay, boomer, and they've let all your parents know about the term and what it means. I, it sounds to me it's a okay, boomer. It's a term that you reply with. Dude. Yeah. Shut up. There's a, a whole great subgenre of TikToks. Yeah. Oh, this. yeah. I, I, it actually changed my mind about TikTok. Yeah. I used to think it was dumb. Then I was exposed to hundreds of really solid OK Boomer memes on TikTok. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? The kids are all right. TikTok's a China app. So I watch them when they're reposted on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I've never opened the actual <laughs> app. What are you, insane? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... You can expect to hear about this at the next PTA meeting. <laughs> in a CNBC article this week, they laid it all out for their readers, which are primarily made up of people who are old and out of touch and, you know, have a 401k and mm -hmm. whatnot. 
In recent months, the phrase OK Boomer has become a common retort in the parts of the internet inhabited by teenage and young adult users. On Facebook's Instagram, the phrase appears as a hashtag alongside memes and artwork mocking the older generation. In this article, they interviewed several young people who explain why it's caught on in such a big way and why they use the term the way they do. Here's some examples. I think a big part of why it has caught on is just like baby boomers and older people in general love to complain about younger people on the whole. They call anyone younger than them millennials and doing the same thing to older people by calling them boomers is a kind of pushback to them. I, I love that they brought that up because it is one of the most annoying things that these like, millennials yeah, playing at, their Fortnite. It was like circa circa like 2010. Just anyone who was at that point below 30 be, was a millennial, and it has just continued. Continued, and now it's like now it's like anyone below 40 is a millennial. Well, even yeah, children. Yeah, even like a baby being born right now is a millennial by these people's definition. Yeah, they're called Zoomers, damn it, and they <laughs> have as much rights as the rest of us. Uh, they also speak to the fact that it's not just exclusively used against actual baby boomers. Like we said, uh, one of the teens they interviewed, Luca Brennan, said, A boomer is really more of a type of personality, someone who is intolerant to new ideas and who is ignorant to new ideas. Yeah. But it adds that the one person I've called a boomer is my father. I think it describes him accurately because he's very stubborn and old fashioned. The article continues. Brennan said when he was recently critiqued by his father for always being on his phone, he used the phrase, OK, Boomer, and then explained that older generations would... <laughs> I fucking love this. Yeah. <laughs> and then explained that older generations were responsible for things like climate change, the 2008 financial crisis, and several wars which should not have been. <laughs> the kid is 100% right about everything there. Yeah, it's great. I, I, the savagery of the Zoomer is, uh, I respect it. Yeah, yeah. Salute from us, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the Gen X and Millennials, we were beaten down. Mm -hmm. our, our will to live and succeed was just crushed at such a young age. And these yeah. kids, they were born in the fire. They've exactly. never known anything better. Yeah, like our generation like thought that, that yeah, life was going to be so a certain Yeah, I was born with so much optimism. <laughs> and then fucking, I mean, high school... 9-11 happens, we go into the dumbest fucking war in, like, decades, and then I graduate from college, and, like, literally, within, like, weeks of that, the fucking financial crisis happens, there's no jobs, mm -hmm. the, the rents are still the same, like, literally, my entire youth, it was just, like, every, every dream that I was sold as a kid just being proven wrong, yeah. one after the other. But, the, but Gen Z, yeah. they already know it's all fucked. I was raised in shit. So the best thing they can do is, is mock everyone relentlessly. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, we love this. Uh, yeah. It's even better now that the term is blown up and parents are becoming aware of it and being frustrated by it. That's the only good thing about this yeah. getting mainstream. Mm -hmm. and now they know. Uh, it's kind of a perfect response. It says a lot, especially in the way that, you know, they explain. Because it, it tacks on every aspect of responsibility for how fucked up the world is, regardless of the recipient's actual involvement, into a phrase that is punishing <laughs> as a response to old people complaining about anything younger people are doing when they're directly responsible for you and your apathy. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, boomer. You made me this way yeah. by ruining the earth and everything inside of it. Uh, anyways. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, call your parents boomers if they deserve it. If they deserve it. Uh, mm -hmm. Not all boomers are boomers and not all non-boomers are non-boomers. Yeah, we need to get a, make a shirt for the parents this Christmas that says, not all boomers. Yeah. Sell like hotcakes. I mean, yeah. Uh, anyways, back over to entertainment news. And we, I'm very sure that you've already heard this by now, but uh, hey. Great news for everyone who hated the final season of Game of Thrones and the two boomers responsible for it. <laughs> they're not boomers. <laughs> no, they're Gen Xers. Yeah, uh, David, that would be David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Because it was announced this week that they are no longer going to be making a Star War. 
the pair were initially hired back uh, in 2018 by Lucasfilm, with the plan being that they would write and produce an entire trilogy of films for the franchise. But now the deal has been altered, destroyed completely, and they won't have their hands on anything related to Star Wars at all. I bet they still got paid, though. They probably got a little bit. Now, before you go all patting yourselves on the back for a job well done by publicly and to an extent justifiably complaining about their work on Game of Thrones, uh, this has almost nothing to do with the backlash that they received during that series final season, although we're sure that execs over at Lucasfilm were well aware of it all. Mm -hmm. Probably gave them pause. Yes. What really happened, though, was back in August, the pair signed a massive five-year, $250 million deal to develop, write, and produce exclusively for Netflix. Mm -hmm. Obviously, their Star Wars duties were already in place by then, so the pair would have they would had they would have had to juggle both of those at the same time. According to them, it was their idea to leave, saying in a joint statement, "There are only so many hours in the day, and we felt we could not do justice to both Star Wars and our Netflix projects, so we are regretfully stepping away from Star Wars." But according to uh, the Hollywood Reporter, there was a bit more to it than that, and while it's in both parties' best interests for the split to be amicable, it's more likely that they stepped away because they were being pushed out the door. Mm -hmm. In their reporting, they stated that sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that Benioff and Weiss's exit had been brewing since August. Lucasfilm chief Kathleen Kennedy is said to have been unhappy with the Netflix deal inked just as they were scheduled to begin on Star Wars. Yeah, I can, I can understand Kathleen, where she's coming from here. Yeah. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> Jesus. You're making a Star Wars. Uh, it continues, Kennedy was not convinced the pair, known for focusing on one project at a time, could develop a sci-fi trilogy while also overseeing film and TV projects at Netflix. Sources say that as the duo shopped for an overall deal over the summer, they told potential suitors that they plan to work on Star Wars concurrently with any projects under their new deal, which is the opposite of what they said publicly, because they were like, we're... When the Netflix deal broke, they were like, don't worry, we're not going to work on any of the Netflix stuff until we completely finish uh, what we're doing with Star Wars, which would have meant that they would have been locked down with the Star, with the Star Wars. The Star Wars deal, a trilogy, is going to be multiple years. Yeah, it's like, why would you sign a deal with Netflix if you can't start work for like five years? Because Netflix had their checkbook out. Yeah, well, and Netflix's checkbook, it was, it was thicker than... Disney's. I guess so. Uh, it should also be noted, though, that in addition to the less-than-stellar reception that the final season of Game of Thrones got, the latest project from one half of the duo was also a complete fucking bomb. I didn't even realize this was him, but mm -hmm. Gemini Man, which we reported last week, will end up losing its studio nearly $100 million, thanks to its catastrophically low box office numbers. And that was written by David Benioff. Mm -hmm. So, while it's obviously reported that the relationship between them and Lucasfilm had grown sour back in August, the performance of Gemini Man eh, couldn't have helped, and this announcement was made just after that film had been released and failed. Interesting timing. They also did a... They did some press conference where they were asked a lot of questions about making Game of Thrones and answered surprisingly honestly, but in ways that did not reflect well on them mm -hmm. at all as creators. Um, yeah, they were just like, I don't even, like... We still don't know why George R. R. Martin gave us, like, the keys to the car on this thing. What an idiot. Like, yeah, it's like, we really, like, we were kind of surprised when he approved it. They just said, like, a bunch of shit. Like, a, the pilot was the first thing they'd ever made. They, like, they were, they seemed pretty reasonably incredulous that they'd even been given the job in the first place. When Netflix offered us $250 million, we said, wait, hold on, really? Yeah. Well, fuck Star Wars. Yeah, they said, they, I mean, this was already known, but they, they, the pilot they shot for Game of Thrones, which no one has ever seen, was mm -hmm. apparently just so horrendously bad that they reshot 
the entire thing, except there's like one or two wide shots that they kept. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they were just like, wow, we, we just blew like $20 million. We're probably going to get fired over this. Nope. Like, nope. Hey, guys, how'd you like to shoot that whole thing all over again? Well, here's what's uh, for, for them personally. Here's the trade-off is like, yeah, you have Star Wars. You could plant your flag. If, it, if everything goes well and it's extremely well received, you plant your flag as, you know, some of the greatest writers, producers of all time. If it goes horribly, you have that stain on you forever, and that yeah. sucks. If you go bad, you have people on the internet telling you to kill yourself for the rest of your life. Meanwhile, you get $250 million from Netflix to produce and write whatever. It's not even announced yet. Mm-hmm. And if it sucks, no one cares. They just won't watch it. Yeah. So it's definitely a smart move on their part. Presenting our new series, Thrame of Gones. Yeah. It's a brand new idea. We just came up with it. Anyways, here's a bit of Batman news. Uh, Matt Reeves has been padding out the cast for his Robert Pattinson-led Batman film uh, with recent casting announcements like Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman and Paul Dano as the Riddler. And now it looks like the film has found its Commissioner Gordon in Jeffrey Wright, who you would most likely remember from Westworld or the Hunger Games franchise or those commercials, which I don't even know what the brand is right now, but he's on them all the time. I haven't seen a commercial in years because I'm not a boomer with a fucking live TV subscription. It's Hulu Live, though. It's the same thing. Lipstick on a pig. Uh, There were rumors about his casting as far back as September, but it was confirmed on Thursday of this week via a tweet from Matt Reeves himself. And uh, I think this casting is great. Yeah. I think he'll do a great job. There's a new trailer for The Witcher. Did you watch it? No. I'm not into this. No? It looks like like a softcore porn. Does it look look better than the shit they released already? Because I'm like... They, they released, like, a couple photos, like, official photos, and yeah. I was like, well, I'm out, bye. I mean, he does get in the bath in the trailer, but, uh, no, it looks great. It, it actually looks like it's going to be fun. All right, good. Well, then, I'll watch it when it comes out. Why, do you, why, why are you watching trailers? That's what I said. Look, I, there's trailers that I don't watch, but if it's, like, a Netflix series, like, fine, whatever. It's, it's whatever. It's not a, an entire movie that's getting spoiled. There's a bunch of episodes to get through. No. So a little bit different, I guess. Don't. Don't show them to me. Uh, anyway, speaking of movies uh, that you shouldn't watch the trailer for and just go see, uh, we both saw Parasite, and it's fucking incredible. Uh, the less you know about it, the better. But uh, if you're looking for a movie to see this weekend, uh, you should go see that one first if it's available near you because it probably won't be in theaters long because it's a foreign language film. Uh, also out now, uh, as it has been for about a week or so, but uh, now it's wide. Jojo Rabbit was also great. I saw it and I loved it. Yeah, I can't wait. We're filming this Halloween night. I can't wait to see all the Jojo Rabbit costumes <laughs> in my neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, look, you're the kid from hey, Jojo Rabbit. Hey, Jojo Rabbit. Cool. Yeah, yeah very cool. Cool character costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, be sure to check out our exclusive podcast for Patreon supporters and YouTube members. The links are, uh, if you're on YouTube, it's in the community tab. Uh, If you're on Patreon, just go to our posts. Uh, We talked about uh, Outer Worlds and uh, our review, uh, basically our review of Outer Worlds. Uh, Which I I just finished Did you finish it? Yeah. Very good. They should make a part two. Mm -hmm. Get get to work, Obsidian. Great job. We also answered a bunch of your burning questions on there as well. So check that out if you're a supporter or a member. And thank you for being either of those. Uh, Otherwise, watch our two new episodes over here. We have a brand new Tech News Day where uh, Mark Zuckerberg continues to look like an alien and be a bad person. Yeah. And uh, also an episode about how Netflix is going to let you watch The Witcher twice as fast. And also there's a Fallout class war. And there's also EA joining Steam on that episode too. So check those out. We'll see you next time for a new episode of Weekly Weird News. Trigger treat. Bye-bye.